Dreamville, where no one sleeps deeply. The pillows are bad and the sheets are made cheaply. But there is one family in the Sleepyville town that uses my pillow for the best sleep around. My pillows are adjustable for proper alignment, and the Giza sheets breathe so they feel no confinement. So order my pillow for great sleep refinement. Why are they so chipper? Their co-workers wondered. So much energy and zest, like they've had the best slumber. And when they peeked in the window, the secret was clear. My pillow sheets, pillows, and mattress toppers appeared. My pillow is breathable and lasts more than 10 years. It's washable and dryable and was manufactured right here. Giza cotton is what makes the softest of sheets, and the mattress topper helps support pressure points for deep, dreamy sleep. So click the link below to stop counting sheep. We want my pillow! The citizens of Sleepyville cried, but they didn't realize the family had a surprise inside. They were all given a my pillow to keep. We spent a third of our life snoozing, so let's make it quality sleep. Yeah! I got towels too! And mine are blue! So welcome to my pillowville where everyone sleeps on the pillows that align and the softest of sheets. With the support of the mattress topper, the people snooze deep and wake up well rested and their deadlines they keep. So if your bed feels like rocks and your sheets feel like Brillo, you need better sleep, which means you need my pillow. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead, click the button. I'm tired of rhyming, so please click it and save me. Please, I can't rhyme anymore. Just click that link. Stop watching this and click the link to get the best sleep of your life. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you.
Welcome back, fuckers, to another edition of the Patriot Party Podcast. I am the Mick, and with me, of course, is my much better, beloved, more indelible better half. Uh, V-Lynn. Hello, Patriot. She loves those introductions because she gets so happy. She's like, <laughs> what's he going to say now? Butter. <laughs> I didn't. I said indelible. I know. Do you know what that means? <laughs> Not a fucking idea. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> Hey, either way, I thought it was really funny. Oh. So, uh, so at the beginning of our podcast journey... When we were first getting started and we were really a pure conspiracy theory podcast at the time, right? Well, we kind of still are. Yeah, well, that's true. But um, before we were doing the news, right, we got involved. uh, Our good friend, Deplorable Janet, got us uh, in touch with Alt Media United. Correct. And We've been a member of Alt Media United for now. Almost, we're coming up on our first year. We'll be hitting our first year. I think it was last last summer. Yeah, so it'll be about August. Yeah, eight months or so. August or July. Right, yeah. So um, 
But uh, Mark Steves, who's got the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, uh, runs All Media United, and he is also the booker for Sam Tripoli's Tinfoil Hat podcast, which is pretty huge. huge. Um, and he's from our home state of Connecticut. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so uh, for I, I've been getting comments and requests, and uh, especially in the Telegram chat page, when are you going to do a conspiracy episode? We miss the conspiracy episodes. I get you. We do too, honestly. And we threw a little conspiracy in the last newscast that we did. Actually, we, we, th we threw a, a lot, lot of conspiracy in the last couple podcasts but, we've just done. But it's, just all, today. but it's all been news related, not yeah. the fun conspiracy like that we, you know, that we like to talk about that we used to talk about. So um, we are very excited to bring Mark on the show. If what the fuck are I, you I doing? I, I just dropped something. Good God. All right. I'm an idiot. You are. Um, Ignore me right we, now. We need, I'm all thumbs today. You know what? All we, thumbs, folks. Okay. We, we, need to, we need to get the clip of Alex Jones that says, I'm, I'm kind of retarded because <laughs> that is so your clip. Like we so need that for you. I'm, I'm so getting that. I'm a little retarded. Done. Yes. Okay. Anyway, um, so we are very excited to welcome Mark uh, to the show today to just talk some some straight conspiracy shit, some good old school conspiracy theories. Because that's you know, and you know what, you know down to it. This is my favorite part. Just because we've been proven true over and over again doesn't mean that we're not still conspiracy theorists. Yeah, just because we're we break the the mold. But what I I'm prepared for is I'm a government guy, so. <laughs> I get to get this anti-government guy on the other side and I get to tell him you're married to an anti-government guy, <laughs> gal. <Whatever. laughs> I was about to say, whoa, that sounded really gross there just for a second. Sorry, but, I mixed up my pronoun for a second. <laughs> you might Shame have to go. You might have to go share that with China. Either way, my point my is this is I get to Ooh, good, good one. <laughs> I just watched the Black Mirror episode of that too. You did? Yes. I watched the whole series. Oh my it's God. Freaky, isn't it? Oh, we'll get to that too. We're okay. going to get to that because I want the <laughs> eyeballs. But uh, really crazy part of this is that I can't wait to see is I get to get an anti-government guy, get to ask me all the questions about the government that he wants to know. And he's, for the first time in his whole entire life, he might actually get somebody who tells him the truth. Hey, what do you know? I can't wait to watch his hair either frizz wars or get less <laughs> okay. or go straight. One of the two or go gray in the face. One of the two. I'm down <laughs> for it. <laughs> anyway. Either way, without further ado, Mark, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show, Mark. Hello. Thanks for having me. I, uh, if I knew known that you would play that song in the beginning, I might have picked a more uh, shorter conspiracy, song. Yeah, shorter oh, song, no, but also <laughs> a more like energetic song because that song has been my favorite song of 2021. But now we're in 2022, so either way, we can't change that. We're here. It's I'm excited good. to answer some maybe conspiracy questions and pose some anti-government uh questions go. for That's you because <laughs> i am essential as fuck yeah but so, well, you have all the books behind you and i love the way that looks because that gives you a very uh although i know it's only about 90 degrees of your room maybe if depending on the camera you have um that being said it makes you look really smart and i'm pretty dumb and i still think the world is flat so uh explain some does, of that behind that you because you dumb or does that make you smart well, no, he has some reality. flat earth. He has some flat earth things behind him. That's what I was getting at. With the globe, You're talking about my globe? <laughs> and then right next to it, you have the actual flat earth star map, which I was like, hey, wait a minute. That's a flat oh. earth star map. I know what that is. Oh, well, I mean, let me move my head for a second. 
Yeah. Oh. So, so that's a yin yang dolphin yes, symbol but that my girlfriend that. picked out. It is, but what she picked out was actually the flat Earth star map, okay. because around the yin and yang is what the flat Earth star map shows you. All right. Well, and I'm glad I didn't out. realize I had that juxtaposition, but I'm you glad have I do. Yin yang. You have the globe in the corner, and right. then you have the flat Earth star map that your head just happens to sit in front of that you can't see the yin and yang, but it's actually a flat Earth, and you have the, the round Earth, so it's kind of like the yin and yang. And it, it goes to show that I actually am very uh, agnostic when it comes to that question because I only have the globe there. Uh, because I'm so interested in ley lines and parallels and all that and seeing where these countries are. I actually think that globe is bullshit. I think that they took, you know, a flat shape and tried to stretch it on this model that just isn't the shape of the earth. Whether the shape of the earth is flat, whether it's an icosahedron, whether it's, you know, completely non-existent um, and we're in a realm, you know, I don't believe that globe represents anything but uh maybe this artificial construct that has been used against us and is very much a part of what i look into when i'm researching conspiracies but i think yeah if you look at the globe there are so many things that make you scratch your head i mean for instance the pacific ocean just isn't that big and africa is just not that small i mean that right there you can see how they're sort of warping the globe and then obviously when they show the UN map, that's not to show that the earth is flat, although that might be. Uh, I think it's to show that like, hey, the people in the northern parts of the world really are in control and we're at the center because they could have easily made Antarctica the center of that same type of map if they you know, just reversed it. So I think it's more about the psychological implications of, you know, the countries up north have more power and i think that you know ha there's a lot of explanations for why that is but i'm glad you pointed that out i didn't realize that my dolphin yin yang uh what are they called tapestries uh, was also a, a flat earth star map that's pretty cool it is because when you look at it i can see all the 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 bright ones are if you uh what's his name what's the guy we've had he's from david Kevin. weiss what the Weiss. fuck with you all from Connecticut? Yeah, David, David Weiss. Weiss. Yeah, who, we had um, him on. We also had uh, M Mitch was from Connecticut too, who does the uh, the astrotheology series. Correct. Uh, Mike, I'm sorry, Micah Dank. Micah Dank. Micah Dank's from Connecticut too. No, he's from Long Island. No, he's from, he's, no, he's, oh, yeah, no, wait, maybe he is from Long Island. I, I actually I know that because I've had dinner yeah, with Micah. I yeah, had dinner right, with Micah right. in Long Island, actually. Yeah, right. so either way, the crazy part is just that you're all from there, and it was just crazy to see that map. I was like, I, I, my eyes went straight to that because I'm like, wait a minute. He's like sitting in a like a study of sorts, so, and he's like hanging out, like smoking a pipe or something. Not a peace pipe, but a <laughs> pipe. You might be smoking a peace pipe. There's a possibility of that. Anyway, long story short, I saw the the star map around you. I'm like, Wait a minute, that looks familiar. And I, I looked over for one minute and I happen I happened to have something on that like like that on my desktop. And I was like, holy shit, that's the flat earth star map. And I was like, because you can see the rounded parts because that's you got David Weiss's app on there. I do. I do have <laughs> David Weiss's app. And he's actually uh he really kind of converted me to the he, flat earth. You series. had just started going that way yeah. when he came on the show, and then and that was it. That, that was, was it. I was coffin. done. So so Mark, why does your family think you're crazy? Wow. 
<laughs> I know that's a hard one, right? <laughs> a lot of reasons I'll say, I think the, the, you know, the truth is I've always been strange. I've always been a black sheep and you know, the books, as you pointed out, maybe give the appearance that I'm smart, but I've always read books and liked reading books. Uh, I'm not like a proficient reader. I don't finish every book that I pick up, but I, uh, I've always had an interest in learning about the world and sort of being as tall as I am. I'm six, eight. I sort of have a, a tendency to stand out anyways. So those you know, factors kind of added into me being just a little uh, against the grain, you know, for a very, for the majority of my life, I've been against the grain and, you know, smoking pot was a big part of that. And just dropping out of college saying to myself, you know, I'm not gonna go with the system. I'm going to find a way outside of the system because so many things were pointing towards, you know, what I was learning in school, what I was learning in most of those books I was reading at a young age, they were leaving things out. There was more, you know, that was, I was kind of gleaming between the lines. And I started to find that when I started smoking weed and going, you know, and looking for alternative sources of information. And that just culminated into a couple of experiences with people that I met who were much older than me at that age 18 uh and i was like you know what i'm dropping out of college i'm going to do this thing on my own and i left community college and uh and just got a job i think the first job i got after community college because i was a delivery guy i was a chinese food delivery guy in college and uh that was fun because my boss he would you know see me reading these big books in between deliveries and be like Mark, you're a dreamer. You're dreaming too much. You think you're going to he's like, you what are you reading about? You know, you need to work hard. And then and then he'd be like, You're smoking too much pot, you know, like so this whole energy of like who I was at that age was there's a lot of resistance from my boss, who I actually I really like that guy, Benny. That's why I do an impression of him. Uh and then uh, you know my dad obviously my mother was a little more encouraging and accepting but yeah there's always this feeling of like having to explain myself and not being able to uh if i wasn't able to make a good case for what i believed then being scrutinized right so that was a big pressure on me as a kid to like argue and debate and be like no i i'm right you know i always had this instinct and if it was against the grain, you know, it wasn't intentional. It just happened to be that way. I, I didn't really understand why um, people resisted, you know, what I had to offer as far as ideas. Uh, so that, you know, turned me inward and made me want to explain myself even further to, you know, validate what I was experiencing, what I was thinking. And a lot of that led me to conspiracy theory, spirituality, the new age movement, and really trying to sort that out uh, and see what there was to offer. And, you know, things like mantras, things like meditation, things like psychedelics were all not in the zeitgeist when I was a kid. And I found them 
uh, at this time when a lot of people were, you know, I grew up, I graduated at the, uh, 2012 was like the year I graduated. So it was kind of a shift in global consciousness, or at least that's what the new age woo age people were talking about at that time. And that was, that was a big part of kind of getting a reputation, uh, as a weird guy. Cause I was never afraid to talk about this stuff with people. And it really just turned more people off than it did like uh in great engross me in in groups you know people were not open to conspiracy theory they weren't open to occult stuff and the idea that you're you know you have powers inside of you because as a martial artist i was always fascinated with like what my mind body and soul could do to improve my life because i saw how just training and learning martial arts made an immediate improvement in my health and uh, my social health as well you know just with gaining more respect among my peers but then also kind of learning like hey it's not about fighting it's about you know having a, a sense of self and and not letting someone push you around i feel like so, i'm rambling all over the place so, but so, real quick <laughs> I, I, I have a very quick question. No, we've been fascinated or we would have interrupted you sooner. Yeah, yeah damn straight. Because <laughs> there's actually something there to that. And I, I find this interesting. So when was it that like you realized that you were a Republican <laughs> or better yet a conservative? A, a patriot. We don't so like that's a that's a great question because when I when I was growing up, a big influence on me was my father's father, my grandfather, uh, and you know I would go to his house and I would just kind of debate with him. And this was when Bush was in office, so a lot of our debates would be around the war. You know, I was obviously as most young people were at that time anti-war, so we would just butt heads and. And then when Obama came into office, I was completely fooled by all the propaganda. So that would that was, you know, me and him would argue about that. Uh, and and then it kind of shifted when Trump came into office, because this is when I had already kind of red pilled myself properly enough to realize like, oh, Obama was all lies. This is bullshit. Bernie's a liar. You know, Bush was skull and bones. You know, I'd known all this stuff. And then I see Trump and I'm like, oh, this guy. He's actually anachronistic to all the other clowns yeah. because, you know, look at the media. They're shitting all over him. So my grandfather and I for f finally were able to relate on something. And we both, you know, kind of were like, yeah, Trump's great. So me, for, in that something. sense, I've been conservative. But, it, you know, in the sense of do I take a stance on a political party? I wouldn't say so. I think ideologically or philosophically, I have some conservative values for sure. But I, I wouldn't. I don't think I would vote uh, Republican or Democrat ever again. Uh, I don't disagree with you. They're, they're two wings of the same bird. We however, say that all the time. however, and long-term Republican, long-term, I'm a very long-term conservative. I've been conservative my whole entire life because the way I was raised, what I was around, what I was introduced to, what I knew about where money came from, uh, that was always big in my life because my father obviously he was a two-star general in the military he kind of led me down that road and seeing that seeing what happened seeing what happened to him seeing what what we went through uh when we had the people from dc show up at the house and the unmarked limo and he got in it and went away for a couple hours came back a couple hours later 
there was all sorts of questions asked, obviously by us kids, like what the fuck just happened type thing. And the old dad was just like, eh, hey, when you're old enough, I'll tell you. And anyway, long story short, I was old enough at the time I joined the military. And I said, so what was going on in the limo? He told me what was going on in the limo. I said, oh, well, yeah, okay. I see that. I could foresee that. Long story short, I, I asked this question because what your belief was back then is now today considered common propaganda for the left to say that you're actually right wing. Does that not surprise you in any way, shape or form? Or does that not knock you off your rocker a little bit to put you in a place of like, well, wait a minute. No, I really didn't identify back then. And now that you're pushing me, I do kind of identify now. You know, I kind of, I, I, I don't mean to sound like a, a know-it-all, but I kind of saw it coming because when I expressed views against Bush, my whole family called me a bleeding heart liberal. When in my mind, I'm like, well, I've never really looked at either political group. I'm just seeing what's going on uh, under a microscope, taking, you know, U.S. troops in Iraq, not looking at any of the political stuff and just thinking like, well, that's not what I would do if I had the decision to to you know so no i didn't i didn't see it coming but in a way i kind of did because when people would uh sort of try to you know stereotype you uh it it was kind of like you know 9-11 created this situation where everybody was really really patriotic and that bothered me because i i just never liked going with the crowd you know yeah, uh, literally. I don't even I you know, I don't really go to concerts. I don't like going to, you know, big venues and things like that. But really it was it was that. And uh I'm not surprised that they're doing it now. I mean, you really have to be careful with what you say sometimes depending on who you're talking to. I mean, as a booker, I have to be careful, you know, that I don't book somebody on, you know, Sam's show for instance that, you know, maybe has uh, like an intention of getting Sam to say something and then trying to write some kind of fucking article about it, you know, because there yeah. are people out there who will do that and take, you know, people out of context and then say, oh, this guy's an alt-right radical. I mean, you can look at someone like Sam Hyde, for instance, who, in my opinion, is just like any other comedian. He's a very funny person. He's doing these sketches that have been labeled alt-right and canceled all over the place. And he's only leaned into it further because that's what a comedian does. If you call him an asshole, he's just going to be more of an asshole. I think that's just, you know, what's going on right now, that's unfortunately. Funny. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, funny. that's what that's what makes right. it funny. Exactly. Comedy has <laughs> taken as a, a hard, probably a harder hit than than almost anything else in the last two years because you can't say anything anymore. Right. Like comedy is just. It, it, you say the wrong thing, even in jest, and you're canceled. You're done. It's over. You know, good comedy used to be able to make fun of the other side and make fun of your own side. Just make well, fun of everybody. That's what comedy's about, right? Just and and that's why I'm so grateful to have you know met Sam when I did because it's funny. You know, around 2019, I was listening to a lot of what we would consider maybe mainstream comedy podcasts, and I cannot listen to them anymore because as soon as the whole pandemic talking points rolled out that's what all of them went to and the guys like sam tripoli and the real comedians 
they don't they don't talk about that shit. They're talking about what we're talking about. I mean, Matt and Shane's secret podcast is a good example of comics who have never, you know, fallen to the narrative. But it's really sad to see how many comedians just, you know, are afraid to rock the boat and go outside of what the system uh tells them to you know is funny or what people are supposed to be talking about i mean obviously sam tripoli is a is a big voice in our community the conspiracy community you know way before this all happened but uh, you know actually 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 time out because although sam don't get me wrong sam is a great comedian i completely agree with you there is one that came before him and george carlin he spoke no more I, I i don't i don't mean to say then, i don't mean to say sam was the first i just mean in in the you know la comedy scene you know yeah, sam had been doing the conspiracy absolutely. podcast for you know almost five years before yep. four years before covid started so i'm not saying that you know sam is the only comedian that's ever talked like this but it's it's been like a 10 or 15 year period where those comedians who had that George Carlin, had that Sam Kennison kind yep. of attitude or approach where they were very anti-system, which is kind of what comedy is supposed to be. Uh, they just, you know, they see that it's a game and they have to go through hoops and they just give that up. And, and the real ones get less and less opportunities. I, I guess I have to ask, did you ever see that becoming mainstream? I mean, because literally you've become, we have become, we are the, I, we are the I news always now. I always tell people that like initially when we started this, she and I we we started this for fun. We had these we've been having these conversations for years. And she was just like, you know, we got to tape this. And I was like, tape what? And she's like, what we're talking about. I said, why? I said, nobody wants to fucking listen to this. And then we taped it. And then people started listening to it. And I was like, wow, this is really just like fucking if you build it, they will come. And I did not think people thought the same way I did. She was like, no, people would love to hear what you have to say. You have a military background. People want to hear what you have to say. I said, bullshit. She pushed it. We plugged a, a microphone in the side of the computer. Next thing you know, we're doing a podcast and all these people are listening. And she's like, see, told you. And I was like, no, I can't believe this. And then we started. You're right. They just want to listen to me. They didn't want to listen. To exactly. <laughs> That's what I thought for the longest time. But like anybody else, I was like, no way. So now you're mainstream. This is a mainstream, like we've had a complete culture shift, no matter what America wants to say about it. We've had a complete mainstream culture shift. We started on one side where if you talked about this shit, you were a, and that's what I, I love about Sam and something I've always loved about the show was like, when you start on that side, you are a tinfoil hat wearing fucking weirdo. After you actually turn and listen to it, you become part of the mainstream the hat turns around. It's no longer tinfoil. It's a regular cloth cap and everybody else is going, holy shit. He said something really provocative there. Maybe we should think about it. Well, when, when Joe Rogan pulls in bigger ratings on one show, than CNN all, does all, all day long. of the mainstream yeah. media combined, um, in, you know, that same three hour period, like they're, they're done, they're shot. Um, but how, how did you get hooked up with Sam? Cause we started to ask you this at the, in the pre-show, but I, I stopped it cause, um, yeah. How, how did you, uh, how did you end up being a booking for Sam Tripoli's tinfoil hat? That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I am, you know, ever grateful because, you know, 
it is kind of mainstream now, you know, and if it wasn't for Sam, I wouldn't have started my show. It, it's funny, like kind of uh, the title of the show was inspired by me being as excited as I was going and telling my family, oh, I just got hired this new job. They're like, oh, you know, what's your new job? I had been, you know, out of work from Amazon in the middle of the, the pandemic, you know, I was delivering packages and I quit because they were making me wear a mask and take my temperature and all this stuff. So my family was like, you know, what are you going to do? They're worried that, you know, they didn't especially didn't want me to be one of these, you know, people loafing off the government, getting these checks. Right. So I, uh, I was like really excited. Hey, I'm working for this comedian in Los Angeles. And they're like, who, what, Ooh. you know, they, they're just like, whatever, you know, they kind of like shaking their head. Like, is this guy. So that's when I really kind of owned the name. My family thinks I'm crazy. It kind of dawned on me, but the, the story really starts with me finding podcasts, finding tinfoil hat and just listening as much as I did listening to every episode and really just wanting to kind of connect with Sam, like a lot of people who listen to the show and feel like they have something to say. And uh, I was lucky enough to make an impression on him after a show in New York City. Uh, and that same night, he was kind of like, hey, Swarm, we're all going to meet up at this other comedy club. And uh, these two, you know, fellow fans that I had met in the in line waiting for the show, they were like, oh, we're going to drive over. You want to come with us? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Because I, I didn't have a car. It's New York City. I'm just I took the train in, you know, you got to walk around there. It's, it would have been like a two hour walk to get to that other comedy club. So these guys were kind enough to drive me. We all drove over and I had a book that I planned on get to plan on you know, giving to Sam. But when I met him in line, he was like, no, give it to me at the comedy club. Come, you know, come back then. So I was like, well, I got to go now. So I had this book. It's called The Caballion. And it was interesting because, you know, Sam had recently had a few episodes about um, ancient civilizations and, and they're starting to go into like these kind of deeper waters, the more spiritual occult topics. Uh -huh. And I wanted him to have The Caballion because he's talking so much about simulation theory all the time. And I thought to myself, well, the Kabbalion, for those who don't know, it kind of gives you these principles of how the universe works. And from our modern perspective, it kind of sounds like a simulation. So I just, you know, not that I believe, you know, uh, I know it all or anything like that. I just thought if Sam has this, it might inspire him to, I don't know, talk about it on the show, find someone to talk about it on the show, whatever. So I give him the book. Um, you know, he's like, cool, thank you. You know, uh, and then next thing I know, uh, I'm on his Patreon and he mentions this book. He says a fan, you know, gave it to him because he, he does these like, you know, ask me anything type Patreon shows every week. And I was in the chats and I'm like, yeah, that was me. And he's like, oh, come on the show to talk about it. So I go on his Patreon show. And instead of talking to him about the Caballion, I basically tell him my story with skull and bones and everything I had learned about skull and bones just from living in proximity to them. And that kind of kicked off a uh, uh, multiple episodes that him and I did on his Patreon show. And then he, uh, around the third or fourth time he had me on, he was like, Hey, I'm going to start this spiritual podcast, uh, for this, this network, this, you know, new channel called Rockfin, And he's like, 
I need, uh, I, I need like spiritual people to be on the show. Would you want to be on it? So I'm like, of course. Yeah. So we do the third episode of zero and which is technically the fourth. Um, and we, you know, afterwards we had a great conversation and afterwards he's like, Hey, who do you think I should have on the show? And I'm like, well, I'll send you a list. So I send him this like 20, 30 person list. And he was just like, I don't know, impressed or something. And naturally, cause I just spent like all this time, you know, Oh, I want to see this person on the show, this person on the show. So he just, you know, that was my resume. I just didn't know I was writing it. And he hired me uh, on the spot to, to find him guests. And over time it kind of evolved from just like getting paid like gig to getting paid like, you know, weekly. So now I, you know, basically I make sure he has a certain amount of guests every week to talk to uh, for three different shows. And that's kind of evolved into doing that for other podcasters like Conspiracy Castle. And then it also evolved into having a sort of a, a similar relationship with Alex from Skeptico. Um, but that evolved into us creating Alt Media United, uh, which is how we got connected. And, yeah, and the idea absolutely. with Alt Media United was really inspired by Sam and his really like, I want to say generous, but also kind of gregarious attitude about podcasting where, you know, he's always encouraging people to start their own podcast, you know, start their own pirate ship, as he likes to say. And I think that really our cooperative helps people realize like, yeah, just cause you're getting started doesn't mean you're not a part of this too. You know, we, we need more people spreading this message and my voice, my message might not connect with everyone's audience, but yours will. And if we're all on the same ship, then, uh, you know, a rising tide will raise all ships. So I well, think that's kind of the idea with the cooperative, but yeah, that's how I got linked up with Sam and, uh, long keep, rambling. keeping up with that, you know, that, that idea of the, you know, pirate ship. Okay. Uh, I'm going to add another sale to your pirate ship. There's one you have to go get, uh, cannabis and combat. Okay. Justin from cannabis and combat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We need to get him into all. He is got to be a United. part of you. Alt media. And United. that, that's the thing with the cooperative is you, uh, are equal representatives of the cooperative and you're as you know, welcome as I am to invite anyone you'd like. All you have to do is just send me their email. I mean, that's kind of what I, I encourage will, everyone I will, to as do. As soon yeah. as this show is over, I'm going to send it to you. He is well, call not Justin first. And and he is, uh, <laughs> let me tell you something. Uh, we might have our differences concerning pot. I'm not, I don't smoke pot. I've never, well, I have, I've smoked it. He I, and I, I used did to smoke it. every morning on the way to school when we were in high school. So it, yeah. it got to the point with me. I just got bored of it. He it was grew just, up. He became an adult. I, I don't like to adult. It's not fun. It, it was boring for me. And uh, anyway, long story short, he has a completely different viewpoint, but we both share the same common goal, which is scary because we both talked about it and we actually talked at great length about it. Uh, just recently, we actually went into a whole big thing. It was actually really scary. The things that we agreed on. And, uh, when I was like, when I said the point that I was like, look, I don't give a shit that you smoke pot. Don't care. Could care less about you smoking pot. Don't care one bit. I say legalize it. I say legalize the fuck out of it. Tax the shit out of it if you're going to. Do the same thing you did in nicotine, alcohol, everything else that exists out there. Yep. Every other legal drug that's out there, do it. Do the same thing to pot. Because do I believe that pot's a gateway drug? Absolutely not. 
do I believe that there are certain people that are not prone to smoking? But I am not. I am one of those people. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't get the same high that everybody else does. Some people just now, crawl up in a corner and go to sleep. Some people get motivated and clean their house and other people just like chill and record a podcast. Now, so, one you know? of the things I have the same effect on, if you put blow on a cook hooker's ass, I will snort the shit out of it. And guess what? I'll do 12 podcasts in a row and we'll hang out and we'll chill all night. <laughs> My thing is just not pot. I don't like pot. I just happen to like blow. Sorry. It's just a, <laughs> it's a thing about me, blow and hookers asses. I don't know. I like it. I can it's, do it all night which long. Which I hear is now legal in New York, in the tri-state area, in New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. You can do blow on a hooker's ass as long as you can show your vaccine card <laughs> to the police. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. It wouldn't surprise me. Because <laughs> you used to live in the People's Republic of Connecticut. So, I mean, um, and that's how I refer to Connecticut now. It's, it's the People's the, yeah, Republic the people. of. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's you kind know of who like, I recently found out uh, also shares uh, the home here? Huh? Who's that? Henry Kissinger has a home up in yeah, Kent. Yeah, he most certainly does. Yeah, you know in, that? In, in yes, Kent, he did. Right? In yeah. Kent, yep. Kent, Connecticut. Yep. Yes, that's just north of New Milford, which is just north yeah, of Brookfield. Yeah, that's right where we grew up. Which is just north of Danbury. I dated yep, a kid from sure Kent once. He was a ballet dancer. He so you walnut between his ass cheeks. Yeah, I know. I know which one it was. <laughs> you remember yeah, him? There's a lot of ballerinas up the, that way. <laughs> I wasn't going to go into that, but she brought it up. So now I'll bust them out. Yeah, I know. We've known each other our whole lives. So before we got married, he he met all of my boyfriends. So anyway. Okay. Um, yeah. And exes. Yeah. Well, they're all exes now, aren't they? Kind of. for you. You're I, the only one that laughed. Finally married. <laughs> all right. So, Mark, what's your favorite conspiracy theory? Ooh, my favorite conspiracy theory. Um, well, what's the well, one that red-pilled you? I mean, what's the one that dragged you down this hole? Hmm. Well, I like to say, you know, cannabis kind of like cleaned the slate because yeah. I had a lot of programming, we'll say, from, you know, um, figures like my grandfather who inspired me in a lot of really great ways that didn't, you know, get cleaned off when I wiped the slate. But cannabis kind of allowed me to look at the things that were coming at me with new eyes. So it was that in combination with martial arts in combination with uh, multiple things. So I don't know if there's a single conspiracy theory. There are a lot that I'm very interested in that most people I would probably say aren't aware of, but- uh, Okay, right. top five. Top five, okay. So anything having to do with Aleister Crowley uh, being a spy, I think is really fascinating because it just shows how, you know, this whole military espionage uh, world really doesn't, you know, they're not as uh, materialistic as they come off. I think there's a very spiritual dimension to what they're doing. They've just weaponized it so much that they don't want us to realize our full potential as spiritual beings. I think that's the number one conspiracy and Crowley kind of is in the nexus point for me. Uh, Have you heard that, that Betty White's his sister? Betty White is a sister of Aleister Crowley? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, um, no, 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 not is, is. Was. Was a sister. Yeah, and but, a, um, but B uh, has been proven such, yeah, uh, so, in her last blood test yeah, was proven such. But Betty White was, was uh, Betty Crowley. Um, yes. It was Betty and confirmed and Barbara, after her death. Betty and Barbara Crowley yep. were, were Alistair the two Crowley's sisters, sisters of and Betty Crowley became Betty White. Yep. I thought Barbara Bush was the the granddaughter of Alistair Crowley. 
Barbara was uh, Barbara Bush is the first descendant yeah. of it's it's Bab- Barbara. It, it, it was Babra actually. B A B R A was was Alistair. She's Crowley. a daughter of Alistair Crowley. Maybe it was, maybe it was a daughter. Yeah, maybe a daughter, not a sister. I don't know. Anyway, I know Betty White was a Crowley. She was related directly related to to Alistair. I don't know. I thought she was old enough to be his sister, but no. Well, she would be actually. Yeah, she would be because he was. Yeah, she's like a hundred and yeah, she's a yeah. hundred. She would she would yeah, have turned a so hundred right before she died. That would have actually been legit. Yeah. Well, anyway, and then crazy. I think uh, you know JFK cannot be uh, left out. I think that case, that whole incident, has so many angles, so many different theories. That was always fascinating. But really, you know, it was a it was a combination of of different things that I was getting interested in at a young age, like uh, there was a podcast called Stuff They Don't Want You to Know that kind of covered all of these conspiracy theories. But I started to really get disenfranchised with them because they were kind of giving like a I'll call it like a history channel version of the conspiracy theories, like a very watered down, very, you know, t- always taking like the the simplest explanation or or maybe like writing it off as not a conspiracy theory and that really frustrated me because i just that wasn't what my instincts were telling me at all so when i found uh podcasts like the higher side chats tinfoil hack Grimerica america show it really like knocked down the doors because you know certain books like uh you know the, the the famous one about skull and bones america's secret establishment you know that one was a big one for me uh secret history of the world by mark booth you know these books that i was reading at a young age i i was aware of of the content but it wasn't until i heard the authors themselves speak or heard people talking about these topics that it really started to uh sink in so i don't know it's difficult for me to to name you know one single conspiracy incident i would say it's really more um the thesis of like why are they doing this and how do each of these seemingly separate events um you know add or or lead into this larger sort of grand conspiracy if there even is one you know and i think that's kind of a big uh topic of discussion too is like so who who's ultimately behind that you know i think that's kind of a novice conspiracy kind of approach at first you kind of want to pin it on one single group and what you really find out is that it's like a system that operates and certain people are are keyed into it they're geared into it maybe born into it um but there's a system that's sort of operating that is inherently corrupt and i don't know if that'll ever be you know change i think if you look in history you see that it's existed for as long as uh we've been at least recording history uh and then you know that begs the question for me like on the spiritual level are we meant to come here to fight these villains because that's what you know god you know wants us to do to you really understand the difference between good and evil before we get into heaven or ascend to the next plane like is this staged and like you know people say simulation theory now but i feel like that doesn't really uh give it the historical weight because computers are so new you know it's more than just a simulation it's it's like a you know we're like in this school 
that uh, we're born into and we don't realize it and you either pass or you don't and if you don't you have to come back and start over again that's kind of i guess that's my my instincts what they're telling me and i just use conspiracies to try to figure that out and it's funny that you brought it up in the realm of books because if you really want to go back to my red pill moment my one and only red pill moment was when the day that my dad handed me a book and it was called that Nazis are red and black is black. Okay. It was written way back, uh, 1962, 63-ish. I want to say it was 63. Pre or post Kennedy? Uh, post Kennedy. So it so been 63 been or 64. Yep. Had to be 63 or 60. Okay. So it may have been 64. So either way, uh, Nazis red, black is black. And they talked about everything all the way, and they called things such as the Lockerbie bombing, uh, the bombing of Flight 132 over Lockerbie, Scotland. I did my thesis on that. And I was like, are you kidding me? And when I saw all that shit come true, I was sitting there going, wait a minute. Like, I handed it back to my dad going, how is this true? Because, like, it was 88 87, 88, when Lockerbie happened. 86, Lockerbie went down. Or 86, yep. 1986. 1986, Lockerbie, the, the flight over Lockerbie, Scotland, blew up. Yep. I handed the, the, the book back to my dad. I said, how did you know? What? How did you absolutely? I was like, no way. This is impossible. And he said, nope. He said, that's where I kind of knew this was coming. And I say, and he was, at that time, he was still only colonel in the army. And I was like, that's that's impossible. I was like, there's no way that this person knew this at that time in 1964. He said, nope, he's seen it all. I was like, how is that possible? And the only thing he kept repeating to me is uh, he's one of the men that stared at goats. Hmm. And at the time, it, it played no part in my mind. Later on in life, a movie comes out, George Clooney's in it, Men Who Stare at Goats. I was like, no fucking way. Fast forward 10 years past that movie and I'm staring at the stalls at where the men who stare at goats actually took place in Maryland. And I'm sitting there going, you have got to be fucking shitting me now. Now all the stars are aligning. Everything is aligning in a simple row. And I'm like, you have got to be fucking kidding me right now. So we were actually, and I started asking questions and they did not like the fact that I started asking questions. I was like, you mean to tell me that we were testing LSD soldiers and the CIA was training precogs in the sixties. Exactly. And we were trying to figure out whether or not we could see into the future. Which And they said, what are you talking about? This had absolutely nothing to do with that program. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, I've actually it. read about this. I've actually heard about these tables. And now I'm fucking looking at these tables. We happen to be in Maryland. And we happen to be on the exact spot where they said it was going to happen. Mm. And you now tell me that this never happened. No, it never happened. <laughs> I was like, okay, bullshit. Yep. Yeah, it never happened. Okay. Well, that's interesting you bring that point up because a friend of mine who uh, I do a podcast with called Your Handbook for the Apocalypse, Michael Wan, uh, we just actually put one out today, uh, and he is in Maryland right now. Uh, the last time I saw him was two weeks ago in a town called Media, Pennsylvania, and we found out when we got there that we were only two blocks away 
from where in 1971, on March 8th, a group of 14 uh, anonymous citizens broke into the FBI building and found all that information that eventually led to the church committee sort of basically, you know, uncorking the lid on all of that CIA MK Ultra stuff. So, yep. And can I ask, you know, uh, what fort or what base you were uh, at when you saw Fort that? Maryland. Fort Meade. Okay. Very cool. Fort Meade, Maryland. Yep. Yep. And wow. I know exactly where you were. And that's about a stone's throw away. Right. Right. Which is you were you know, right up the road. You were right up the road. <laughs> and it would not surprise me that they broke that off of Fort Meade and they walked away with it. That would so, not surprise me at all. One thing that really, you know, stands out with the podcast and and I think it's something that you just touched on in your story there. It's it's synchronicity and how when you start to really awaken to these concepts or these ideas or the the truth, the greater reality, it sort of pulls you into the narrative in your your own personal unique way. So things in your life are going to start to open up to that awareness and you're going to realize that you're more you're more a part of that story you're finding out about than you might have assumed and i think that happened to me in very subtle ways that pushed me to learn about things like psychedelics things like plant medicine because those were the Actually, tools i needed at that moment in time to kind of push me out of this like really sort of solidified state that uh you know, society had put me in and I kind of loosened up, you know, it was very anxious, very tense, things like that. And now I'm much more calm, much more uh, centered and grounded. And, you know, Sam obviously was a, a big deal. And, you know, kind of around that same time, um, I it had, fit. what's that? It fit. Well, yeah, and, and I, you know, it was very synchronistic that whole year when I got that job. And another person that maybe isn't as, you know, well-known, but equally important to me at that point in my life uh, is the guy I just mentioned, Michael Wan. And it was kind of synchronistic how, you know, I connected with him after having an experience at this Susquehanna River which he talks so much about in his work and i don't know if fort meade is located on the susquehanna yeah. river it's the, but... the south end of the susquehanna touches fort meade on the northern boundary yes i know exactly where that is so and you know mike his work is all about the susquehanna river and how it's this really strange uh you know connective Go ahead. Do you just so you're aware you do know that a lot of us in the military believe that that's where they dumped all the lsd when they were done with them in the Susquehanna river. Yes, yes sir. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yes. There's actually a whole group of in the military that actually believe that like wholeheartedly, not only believe that, that like we touch the water and it makes you trip out. Like you go back in time. It is a belief that a lot of the military folks that have ever put their feet in the Susquehanna river. It's like, they call it chemical Creek for a reason. Like you put your feet in it and it like people have said they've tripped back in time, ended up at different time spans within, uh, oh shit. Uh, different timelines. I'm trying to remember the name of the, I fucking don't have the name of it. It's, oh, it's in my other notebook. There's, I actually have a book that like they have interviews with people that they went back and said, 
So you were on Fort Meade at this time. You were at this designated location. They never give the location because it can't at the time, because at the time it was part of the NSA compound when they were just starting to build the NSA compound. Well, the NSA took over a different part of the compound since they've taken over a different part of the compound. Now we can talk about that one little part of the compound that we don't talk about, that we weren't allowed to talk about because it was technically at that time part of a black site. Well, now that it's no longer part of a black site, now that it's part of the green site, now we can talk about it. Anyway, they start talking about this spot where they were doing construction and it was a lot of engineers that were talking about it. And they were like, yeah, we put our feet in the water. And like that night I went home and it was like, I was back in 1962 or I was back in 1971, or they start talking about historical events that they could never have been physically a part of because they weren't alive during that time. But because of the people that were around them, like for instance, maybe it was their father, maybe it was their grandfather, maybe it was their grandmother, grandmom, whatever, their mom, they were psychedelically adapted to because they had heard so much from that person. And they said that it came from the psychedelic drug and their background that put them back in that time period. And that was what some scientists said. The other scientists said, well, you're all fucking crazy and you're conspiracy theorists and you're smoking dope and you need to get off that shit. <laughs> Isn't so, it funny? The first way they run back is they point back at you and they say it's because you were smoking dope. Right. Right. I think that's, you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine in and out of itself. So what, as far what as were I'm you concerned. saying about your friend before Mick so rudely interrupted you? No, he it, that wasn't rude at all because that's just adding to really the mystery that is the Susquehanna River. And I had heard Michael Wan talk about this on several different podcasts and really just felt a, a connection. And I wanted to explore that. So when I had an opportunity to drop a friend off at the uh, Allen Dulles Airport down there in Virginia on my way back, and this is mid pandemic so washington dc was like a ghost town i made my way through dc and looked around and then i drove up through pennsylvania or through maryland and then pennsylvania and i stopped along the susquehanna river and i did something that my mentor my original mentor who i met in new haven uh native american guy uh by the name of amos who taught me you know not just about you know indigenous medicine but he also taught me about skull and bones and and what they're really representing and what they're all about so i did this sort of prayer and a sort of offering to the river and then you know less than four or five months later i'm connected with this guy michael one you know thanks to sam tripoli obviously and having the connectivity through that show to be able to reach out to a guy like michael one and actually you know offer him a, an opportunity uh, and and that got him on my show and then connected uh, us in a way where, you know, we became good friends. You know, like I said, I've gone down and visited him uh, a couple different times. But, you know, all that considered, I think for whatever reason, whatever was beating in my heart, you know, the energy, the emotion that I was putting into the podcast I was listening to, that was like a, a beam, a signal that reached out and connected me to Sam Tripoli, connected me to Michael Wan. And it, it doesn't just work in ways like to connect you person to person. It, it connects you to information and places and all these different things that are so personal and unique to your own experience that you know, it almost feels like uh, I'm like patting myself on the back by talking about this stuff. But I, I, my intention is just to show people that you, know, you can really connect yourself to the greater reality 
in a pretty profound way if you believe in yourself. And that's really why my family thinks I'm crazy ultimately is because I've always believed that we can change the world and make it a better place. And it's about changing yourself and being as radical about that as it takes. And for me, that was, you know, not having any fluoride in my water, in my toothpaste, never, you know, I just mm -hmm. never even risk it. Um, and Vic then, thought I was crazy when I went to um, fluoride free toothpaste and mouthwash, although the mouthwash is terrible. Um, and uh, aluminum free deodorant and all that. And, right. But I, I, I hear you 100%, Mark. And I, I talk about this a lot. This is one of my favorite conspiracy theories. It's not really a theory. Well, and, the, and, you know, fluoride, that's one thing. But, you know, it's. Oh, no, no, not that. Healthy. But the, the energy right. thing. Yeah, healthy eating, right. absolutely 100%. We're growing our own healthy vegetables. Healthy eating, healthy living. And that, so that's going to facilitate healthy thinking. And when you start thinking healthy, you, you you notice where other people are hurting themselves by not thinking healthy. And when you remind them of that, they get upset with you that, you know, they make they, they think that you're trying to come off as better than them or something. And it's like, no, I care about you. You're my family. I want you to be healthy, too. But they're not willing to make those changes to improve their life because they're not willing to think within this new paradigm i think that's ultimately how the system has gotten so many people in a state of weakness where they're able to be manipulated by the media because you know they're already struggling with all of the the forces that are you know constantly you know keeping you yeah. down man <laughs> well i'll tell you so I've, I've got a theory on that and it goes back to the energy you were talking about right so um what you were describing is is called manifestation, manifestation of, of your will. Um, and you can manifest, different people can manifest different things, but you can, you can manifest money or connections or, um, you know, all, all, all kinds of different things. If, if you really want to, if you really have that burning desire, that need inside of you to make it happen. So uh, having done psychedelics, obviously, um, you you've seen the energy that that connects every living thing on the planet right you ever had a, a good visual trip where you see everything right tons yeah i've had a bunch i know you have um we did them together thank you but uh but no Mark, we didn't not all of them not all of them but that's there was that time i kicked <clears throat> you in the balls and you thought i was a dragon well <laughs> anyway <laughs> who wouldn't at that point <laughs> that's a different story you got kicked in the nuts who would <laughs> but uh so the energy that connects us all um, connects every living thing on the planet and then in turn connects every living thing on the planet to source or God or the creator or the man behind the curtain, whatever you want to call him, right? Um, so here's where it gets a little crazy. So I think I was an English major. I'm, I love words. I love books. And I think words have meaning, a lot more meaning than people give them credit for. And I don't mean connotation because that's something that different societies put on words is various connotations. I mean the meanings of the actual words. So here's my favorite one. When you break it down, DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid, quite literally translates, deo means God, oxy is one, ribo can mean truth or translator, but here it means truth. Nucleic is inside and acid is fire. So deoxyribonucleic acid translates to the truth of the one God in the fire inside you. Well, Deo. The fire inside. Deo. 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 Yes. Deity. Deo. Deo. Yes. yes. Deo. The truth of the one God in the fire inside. And then your RNA 
your ribonucleic acid is the translator to the fire inside. And then your mRNA, your messenger RNA, takes the message from the truth of the one God of the fire inside you to the, to the translator in the fire inside and back again. So when you, when you, when you change that message, for instance, when you inject a new messenger into somebody via an you, inoculation, you interrupt the message. You, what are you doing? You are disconnecting people from God at the genetic level. You are disconnecting people from source. Right. I'd be really, I'd be really, really interested to to do a good acid trip these days and go check out some freshly jabbed people and and see if you see those energy trails coming off of them. That's a yeah, that's a really interesting. I might have to try that. I I can't say I've ever um, seen people's auras while you know in that state, but I would imagine folks who have that ability are seeing something hazy, gray. Because, you know, that's something that, you know, you just, you can see in, in an aura already, it, black spots, weird things. So there's definitely something going on on a spiritual level. But thank you for breaking that down. I was not aware of the Latin meaning of Actually, DNA. I, I had to teach her that. But <laughs> either matter. way, thank real you. quick, I really <laughs> wanted to I know, with it. you went with the Amos bit. And I, I found that. A Amos was a Native American Native guy. American. Was he Cherokee? No, he uh, he was Mohawk. no Pueblo, but you know, it's kind of uh, uh, no, no, that's actually really important because there's yeah. something I found really interesting just looking real quick. I went because I could have sworn because you know, growing up in Connecticut, we knew a lot of Connecticut history, and knowing especially in high school, they kind of really delve down deep in there, especially in the Mohawk uh, tribal regions, because that was part of the Mohawk tribal region. Okay. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Cause if you're going where I think you're going, this is again, synchronicity because the beginning of the show, I, I had it in my head. Do you remember that town that we took a field trip to that ghost yes. town? Is that where you're going? Uh, kind of, Son of kind of hold on. So <laughs> let me share this with you because I'm not sure if this guy looks anything like the guy you're talking about, but one of the things I know about Connecticut, which a lot of people don't know, and this is a crazy bit. A lot of people aren't going to realize this. My my grandmother, she owned a home in Newtown, Connecticut. Uh, and for the longest time, she had this really cool room. It was like the coolest, the baddest spot. Like I've been trying to find a house that I can recreate this room in. I want to recreate a secret room in my own house. Only because my grandmother had one. Because she was actually, her house when she bought it was actually a part of the Underground Railroad going all the way back up into Maine. And the Underground Railroad, a lot of people thought the Underground ground Railroad, when it got to Pennsylvania, it stopped. No, it didn't stop. It went all the way to Canada. It went all the way up to Canada. And people don't realize that it did go all the way up the Northeast into Canada, and they hid slaves going that far north. Well, one of the crazy parts was my grandmother ended up purchasing this house. And in, her, in the master bedroom, there's this weird wall. It's in the back of her closets. And like when you pound on it, it sounds solid, yet you can open the back of the closet and there's a whole other like bedroom in the closet. And me and my brothers always thought it was the, the coolest thing ever. Long story short, when we started looking into it, the actual house has an underground entrance. Had Everything was underground. Everything was away from sight. It was down in a creek bed close to the house, down in a river in Newtown. And you came up to this creek bed 
and you went up these stairs and you ended up my grandmother's house. Well, she had another that those stairs continued all the way up into that secret bedroom and you could come out inside my grandmother's house. It was crazier than all get out. My father was always scared to death of it. Anyway, long story short, um, when you just brought up the name Amos, which I thought was just crazier than all hell, um, I got to figure out how to do this real quick because it's the first time I've ever used StreamYard like this and I apologize. Ah, uh, this is the nuttier part. Out in uh, out in New Milford and Brookfield, there they had all these forts because the Mohawk would come down the Housatonic and do raids, and uh, yes, you know they did. Yeah, yes, they so did. you guys know all about that. All right, yes, right on. They did, and that's why when you brought up Amos, I'm thinking to myself, I was like, man, that is not famous Amos. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's no, not it is. Amos. No, it is. I've it I've always loved famous. those cookies. It actually, Famous Amos has started out of Hartford, Connecticut, based off of their latest founder. And for whatever reason, I cannot bring this up right now. And I'm not really sure why. Shift enter sixth. Whatever. Give me a second. Let me see if this works. No, it's not. Yeah. Of course it's not. Why would it? Uh, I try to bring it. But Amos Berman, he was a black slave. Beeman. Beeman, sorry. He was a black slave who... Uh, was uh amos gary berman or beeman was a black minister in new haven connecticut beeman was a national na natural national leader during the mid-19th century during a uh prominent abortion a suffering, of abolition, abolition suffrage, suffrage temperance, and temperance and, and educational moral reform beeman grew up in colchester connecticut later middleton connecticut where his father Jahil Beeman was appointed a pastor of the first African-American church in Connecticut. Okay. What's the, what's the point of this? Well, they're all, he is one of the founders of famous Amos. Mm -hmm. Famous Amos was founded in Middleton, Connecticut. Yeah. But that's not the same Amos as the native American guy. That's his, no, that was his mentor. I, I know it's not, but <laughs> his wife was uh -huh. of native American descent. Oh, interesting. Which is weird because the Amos, the last name Amos amongst, the American Indians is actually, especially in the Mohawk, is actually a very famous name in the Connecticut area, hmm. which I find odd because he just brought up Amos. And I was like, man, I know I've heard that name before. And down in Danbury, if you remember, there is a fort, a Mohawk fort mm -hmm. that is named after um, uh, Chester. Um, Chesterfield. Chesterfield, yes. I'm trying to remember his name, though. I'm trying to remember his whole name. I can't remember his. Not Chesterfield. Furman, no. Iowa. No, it's not the stupid shit that uh, no. Adam Sandler came up with for something stupid in New Milford. But uh, anyway, long story short, that name like rung a bell. And I was like, why does that sound so familiar? And Amos, like an a Amos Mohawk name is not uncommon in the Northeast. And I, I, I was just looking it up because I was like, man, that's just curious to me. I heard the name before and it's just weird that we would possibly name, know somebody named the same thing. I was just like, okay, that's odd. Anyway, but anyway, so what's he was it? actually a black slave and it was just comical that you brought him up as an, a native American because a lot of people who saw the black slaves that come, came through the underground railroad, the, the connection as you needed to hear uh -huh. is a lot of the native or uh, a lot of the black slaves that came up through the underground railroad that weren't that black that were kind of brown in color but mm -hmm. were still considered negroes in the south down yeah. here they would have been considered negroes but in the north they just considered them american indians hmm. if they weren't dark enough to be black and they were like oh you're just an american indian oh. and a lot of the mohawks were actually misclassified as 
Mohawks, when in actuality, they had no Native American background. They were actually African in background. And that's why you see such a conflict actually in a, in uh, Connecticut, especially in Connecticut, in the Mohawk traditions. There are traditions that they were like, that's actually an African tradition. Well, how is that an African tradition? Oh, well, the Africans that were being trafficked out of the South were thought to be Mohawk. And in actuality, they weren't Mohawk. So they integrated into the American Indian exactly. society in that area. And that's how they blended in to disappear Crazy. to become naturalized U.S. citizens. They passed as American Indians before they could exactly. pass as whites. Interesting. Exactly. Now now we want to go the other way. Isn't that odd? Right. Now Isn't now we want to go back. Like I, now I'd rather pass as an American Indian if I can't pass as black. Uh, is that not weird? It's just, it's like odd. It's, it's crazy. Racism's how, gone the other way now. How shit's gone. Turning it all around, bringing it right back to racism from the very beginning. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Wow. Good job, babe. <laughs> like it. Look at me. All right. Uh, so uh, what's it like living in the People's Republic of Connecticut? Because we left a long time ago. Is it, uh, you know, you got to show your papers everywhere, everywhere, like tyranny abounds, everyone wearing a mask, can't go outside, that kind of thing. Yeah, in uh, in certain in certain cities, but luckily it's not enforced in that same way. Like New Haven, obviously, is you know masks in every public restaurant and all that bullshit. Uh, Hartford is probably the same, but Milford, where I live, is you know fine. I can go into stores without wearing a mask. Everybody is wearing a mask, um, you know, and I don't have a normal job, so nobody's mandating me to do anything. Um, but I chose to do that, you know, cause I saw what was coming down the pipe when I was a delivery guy and I didn't work directly for Amazon as in they weren't like my employer, but I worked through, you know, the Amazon warehouse for a delivery company and, you know, it got more Orwellian <laughs> really fast. And I was up near the ESPN building too. So I just, I just got sick of being around all those huge antennas and the radiation and all that. I just, you know, not that I have any, what's that? Yeah. 5G capability. That's what I, that's what my instincts were telling me is that I was just drenching myself in that every day. And, uh, since I've quit, I've taken a lot of time to just drive around in wild areas and explore. And that's, what's gotten me really interested in indigenous history here, Native American history. And that's how I found out about some of those forts up there where you guys are from. But yeah, yeah. it's really, you know, like I was kind of getting at before, it's something that anybody can take part in. They just have to, you know, open up their awareness. And if you're already listening to a show like this, I'm sure you're open to a lot of things. Um, but don't be, you know, counting yourself out because I think that's a big part of what I try to inspire people to do is participate and get involved. And even if that just means researching where you're from, you know, that's part of it, you know, is, is figuring out the real story. Cause like you said, you know, there's all these inaccuracies about what really happened with the underground railroad yeah. and, you know, due to the way history works, unfortunately, we may never know the right answers, but I think when you go looking, you're bound to find something. Lover's leap. Go take a look at lover's mm. leap. New oh, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was huge. That's, that's of part of that. That's part of that town that we were talking about. That's deserted. There's like a whole like town up there that like nobody lives in. There's it, buildings. Yeah, it's, the whole not, bit. it's not very far from, from, uh, Milford. it's like right up the road, probably about yeah, 40 minutes from where you live. There's an abandoned town in the middle of the woods. Um, you it, can drive up there. It is creepy as fuck. Okay. Yeah. We, we took a 
field trip there yep. through our school when we were kids. Yep. And and they were like, you cannot, you know, don't, don't go off. Take anything, don't, 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 don't touch go, anything. Don't touch anything. Don't go off anywhere by yourself. Yep. Um, stay with, you know, stay with a partner all the time. Like stay within this area. You can't go over there. You can't go over there. And it wasn't like we were like eight. I mean, we were like, it was in Is high school. We were teenagers. Dudley, Dudley Town? Yes. 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 That's it. That's the actual name yes. of it. Yes. It is freakier than it is fuck. creepy as hell up and, there. And right out this right off the side is Lover's and the, Leap. And that's like a row that I mean, that's like a Roanoke story, right? Or um mm. no. Uh, oh no, 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 not Roanoke. Um uh yeah, Roanoke, they the Lost all the Colony in North Carolina. Colony, yes, yeah. right. I, I want to say Dudley Town is like that. Like everyone just disappeared, disappeared. one day. Like, like one day just like disappeared. The town just was deserted. They yep. have no idea what happened to the people that lived there. Lover's Leap is right down, it's right off the main road going to Dudley Town. And like you can go down there today, and it's supposedly where a white guy and an American Indian woman they were hitched, you know, they were hooked at the side, they were in love, blah, 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 blah mom and dad wouldn't allow either marriage on either side. They both jumped off the side of the cliff. It's absolutely weird as hell to go down there because when you get to the edge of the cliff, the feeling that you get when you get there is I got to jump and you don't want to because you know, it's below you. It's like rock. It's really shallow water. You're going to die. If you jump, we've jumped, but well, yeah, but we were also <laughs> fucking a lot more crazy back then. <laughs> I wouldn't do it today because I'm afraid my, <laughs> I would break or something crazy like that. I'm an old man now, but like literally you jump off these rocks. You're, you're, you're literally almost jumping in the middle of a, I wouldn't say a quarry. It's not a quarry. No, it is. It's a full quarry. I guess it is a yeah, quarry. Yeah. And, but there's water down there, but it really depends on how hard it rains the day before. Because yeah. You better jump way <laughs> far out from that cliff. Or... You better get out there. You better get some distance on you because if you don't, you're hitting rock yeah. going down. Absolutely. And uh, it's a guarantee. It's not like uh, one of those things you remember, but I always remembered it. I was like, man, I, I, I that, that place has always been freaky to me. It's kind of like um, we went to, uh, I went to Parrish, Tennessee. That's another one. You ever get out and travel, go to Parrish, Tennessee. The caves underneath where your car dies when you cross no, no, over no, a no. line. It was. Have you seen the movie? Uh, they made a movie about it, and it's uh, it's a uh, uh, the Bell Witch. It's about the Bell Witch caves. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name. Uh, Chris Christopherson's in it. He plays the father in the initial one. Uh, anyway, it's about the Bell Witch caves. Anyway, the story about the Bell Witch caves is this: uh, He had a daughter. She was supposedly possessed by the the Bell Witch. Um, and this bell witch was really, it's really bad. It's called but, the bell witch haunting. Yes. Um, anyway, long story short, the, the, he's out there and he's like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. My daughter's, you know, she's been infected by this thing and she, he keeps the daughter all this time. Eventually she dies much later on in time. It goes well past his bloodline. He dies well before her. Anyway, long story short, this house stood until about 1958. And the original house stood till 1958 and all of a sudden burn up and went up in a fire. Um, but even Jefferson Davis back in the 1860s, his horses stopped at this one line. They wouldn't go anywhere closer to the house. They just stopped. They just stopped riding. They wouldn't go any further. No matter what they did, they tried to dangle the carrot. They tried to do everything to these horses to get them to move forward past this line. They would not move. Well, long story short, fast forward about six, uh, about a hundred years. hundred years. So, 
you get to the part of cars cars died at the driveway to this house like like literally they come up to pass the line you get past the line that car would die i was like when i found out about it, it was in the military i was like bullshit no way i was like all right i'm gonna go down there and try it so i went down to paris tennessee i'm sitting there like all right i'm gonna give it a shot so we go up to the line they were like hey look you go past this line right here car's gonna die i was like all right let me get a running start so i backed up and the guy's like, sure, go for it. They were like, it's just going to be further that we got to push it back, dick. <laughs> so I go driving up to the line, hauling ass. As soon as I hit the line, car died, completely died. All the electronics shut off in the car. Car wouldn't fire nothing. Couldn't get it to start nothing. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And underneath it are these caves where the Bell family stored all this food, all this other stuff. This is like, you want to get- They were the, the original preppers. Ghost stories. That, no, no, this is just the way they stored food back in the day. Mm -hmm. This is where it was constantly a constant temperature. They yep. could store food, they could store meat, they could store all sorts of things. So long story short, I'm sitting there going, there's no fucking way. I was like, bullshit. So like, then I looked down at my watch. My watch didn't work. Nothing worked. Mm -hmm. Nothing electronic worked. Like they pushed me back the line. I don't want to, I don't want to totally, I don't want to totally sound like a skeptic, but yep, I will say I just read about something where, and you mentioned caves. There's a, there's a good possibility that that might be because those caves are gassing out helium and helium is notorious for fucking up watches and all kinds of small little devices that, uh, yeah, but what about know, a maybe, car ignition system? So the I don't, I'm not an, I'm not an expert, but I don't know if, if maybe the, the nature of how the combustion engine works would be different if it suddenly entered uh, an environment that was mostly helium. That's a great question. But then they brought up the other part. This is where it gets really weird, right? Mm -hmm. So like the car wouldn't start. We pushed it back across the line. My car started no problem. I was like, <laughs> all right, that's fucking is it. Weird. Is it a, a like a line drawn in the sand, or how is yes. this oh, line no, defined? They have painted. Yeah, they, they painted a line on the road where your car will die, just so you know, because they went up with other electronic devices, and the devices died at this yeah. one spot. They just drew a line. They said, "Okay, this is the line. Like you can't come across." Back in the day, they had it marked with a stone. The stone got demolished when they were building the road in front of the house. They had a problem building the road in front of the house. the The road in front of the house curves like three times because in this guy's property is where this witch thought that that's where the guy lived. So she put this curse on the property and the, it follows a property line specific. And the road in front of the house goes like, it swerves back and forth because if they got too close, cars died. And they were like, well, this is a problem because we can't keep sending tow trucks out there. So they built the road differently so it was away from the property. Anyway, long story short, I went down in the caves. So, cause I'm like, now I'm like, all right, now I'm interested. I'm not convinced, but I'm interested, right? So I go down in the caves. They had a bat that has been alive for over 200 years in this cave. I was like, there's no way. They show you pictures of the bat all the way through its life. And it's the same fucking bat. How big is it? <laughs> it's, it's huge. They painted a line on the bat. So you know that it's the same bat. I was like, you have got to be kidding me right now. It is the same exact bat. The bat's still alive. It's wow. still alive as far as I know today. Yeah, I, I haven't been there I, 20 plus years, but it's still alive today. I didn't mean to like throw rain on the parade with the helium comment because I'm totally, I'm totally into that. I, 
we downing love, we all love of to that try shit. and debunk I stuff. I try to debunk yes, the shit the out of it. Well, another cave system that's super interesting is the Taos Caves in South America, where they found a whole ecosystem of animals that have like glowing, you know, parts to their bodies. So caves are strange. I think there's definitely a potential for things to live a lot longer in a situation like that, too. We see that with like deep sea organisms and certain. So I'm not uh, surprised to hear that thing about the bat at all. But my thought with caves is Sasquatch. I mean, that's where Sasquatch goes and hangs out, right? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> that's actually not a bad theory. I could see that. That could like actually, they just, you know, when they when they're hungry, they go out, and when they're not, they just chill down there, and their eyes are probably adjusted to be nocturnal, anyways. Nocturnal, anyway, yeah. See, I I always thought that Sasquatch was a, a hollow earth creature that that occasionally came up. <laughs> Tartarian. Tartaria is historical. Tartaria. All right. Here's the thing about Tartaria, because I had Andreas Zertis on the show, and he told me Connecticut has a lot of interesting Tartaria things and hartford is the only one that i've looked into where you have this star fort that the dutch supposedly built in hartford yep. but andreas what he was pointing out that was pretty fascinating was how complex the railroad system was and how that was actually a part of the tartarian empire somehow i'm not an expert on tartaria i think it's fascinating but he did mention that connecticut had something to do with that and also, I think Thomaston is like known for their clocks as well, which is another yep. interesting technology that, you know, so I'm not sure. But Tartaria, yeah, it's I a big might have topic. to look into that one. That, that's yeah. a good one. I like that. See, one. Maybe that'll pull you into Tartaria after all. <laughs> I've been trying to get him into Tartaria no, for like I, it's not that months I, now, and he's like, whatever. I, I don't, it's not that. I just haven't found anything to support any of the Tartaria claims. I mean, the mud floods, windows, I'm, I'm with you. Ha you know, half covered. I, I you have don't to, build. You don't build a building. I, I know that. I know that. I just <laughs> put I the have... windows in halfway. Like, hey, half of this window is going to be underground, and the other half of the window is going to be above ground. That's just. I have that. an issue when when you can't prove or you can't at least prove a basic function of the theory. You have to be able to prove a basic bit of the theory. So well, let me I mean, give you, let me give you a few, cause I'm with you on it. I'm with you on 88% of the Tartaria stuff you find on YouTube is like a lot of like really shoddy research, you know, and they're, or, or they're just, you know, really hopeful and they're finding things that fit into their theory. Uh, but what I found that really stands out, are three things that I think are worth mentioning. And they're not, you know, totally Tartarian, but it, it makes you reconsider the history of at least the Northeast. Uh, the first thing is Gungiwamp and the, according to some researchers, the Templar artifacts that are found in Canada and even as far down as Maine. Uh, and then the other thing is the Celtic strange relationships between, you know, some indigenous groups like the Mohawk and others, the Micmac, they have these sort of relationships with the Vikings. Um, yep. And then the other one is the Cherokee having these palaces in, uh, I think, I think it's South Carolina or, or North Carolina. Um, but apparently a lot of those plantation homes that people like say, Oh, those are racist, you know, slave owning places. Apparently, the Cherokee built those, according to some, or at least they lived in them. They so if that, yeah, 
So they, if you know the Tartarian theory, if we're gonna entertain it, it's they, you know, say like there was this nation, they lived here, they built these, you know, structures that we would call Renaissance structure, you know, like they look like they were built by Greek or Roman. And then, you know, when the colonists came, they came and took over these buildings and repurposed them as government buildings. So nobody would ask any questions. And, you know, to your point about, well, where's the, you know, evidence, that's kind of where I was going with it. It's like, well, wouldn't the Native Americans, wouldn't we have stories of them interacting with these buildings? Because if the colonists came and found them, you know, it's it, you're making the assumption that the Native Americans weren't able to find them, you know, and I just don't. I don't agree with that. I think the Native Americans had a really good uh, a grasp of the whole land here and what was here and what wasn't here and where to go and where not to go. So maybe they just said like, oh, those buildings are evil. We don't go there. And when the colonists came, you know, they were like, all right, we're taking these over. You know, I don't know. But Except that's the, the only American. story I've found where the, the Native Americans interact with this kind of architecture. So the Cherokee are actually... I don't think the Cherokee are actually really Native Americans or not in the, the way that we think of them. Um, little known fact, the Cherokee are very strong RH negative bloodline. Okay. So there's a few pockets of RH negative peoples around the world. You familiar with RH negatives? Right? Yeah. So people have uh a protein on their blood called the rhesus protein they found it in monkeys it's how they proved evolution or claim to prove evolution claim to prove it yeah claim to prove evolution we because proved it because 95% of the world's population shares this protein on the blood with monkeys it's it's the rhesus protein so if you have it you're rh positive but about now we're down to about 5% of the world's population does not have that protein and when you evolve genetically you don't you don't lose things you gain things right so it, it's not possible. And they claim evolution, you know, or, or they say that, um, as we evolved, we, you know, people went and, um, there was some mutation where you lost this protein and that's where RH negatives come from. That's, that's not actually possible genetically. So, uh, RH negatives, a lot of people think that they were the original peoples on the planet. And, one fun conspiracy theory is that these original peoples, whatever they were, aliens or whatever, um, developed RH positive peoples through transhumanism experiments, right? Combining humans and monkeys or humans and, and other animals, genetically altering them um, basically for a worker class, a slave class, and except then they took over. But the Cherokees are some of the original RH negatives, as are the Basques. Um, a lot of the Celtics, so especially the Scotch, are very, very strong RH negative. So there's a direct connection between the characters. Into a German, there's even German. Yeah, uh, Stuttgart. Stuttgart. Yeah, Stuttgart was one of the originals yep. as well. So, uh, so there's a, a direct connection between the Celtics and the Cherokee uh, and the Vikings as well, because they're all RH negative blood. So when you crazy. start when you start mixing all that together, one of the things I always found, which was really interesting, was when you go to ancient Rome, for instance. You remember? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to Italy? Seen ancient Rome at all? Okay, no, never you left the states. The doors are huge. They're like, uh, I mean, they got to be thirty feet tall at least, at yeah. a minimum. And you wonder what human was walking into a place like this that you needed a thirty foot tall door. 
and you, you, you start to ask these questions when you're actually there in the gra the grandness of it, you don't ask it. But when you're actually walking through the doorway, you're looking around going, why, what type of human would need it a doorway like this? And then I come to Washington, DC and you walk into, for instance, Congress, the Capitol building. The Capitol building has we, we've like been in there. A 16, we, we didn't go in there in January, but we've been in there. A, a 16 foot door. I'm like, what in God's name would anybody need a 16 foot door to walk in here? Why would you need it? And then you look into the history of the building itself when it was built and everything else. You find out who was involved in building it. Um, Elliot LaFont, everybody else that was involved in building Washington, D.C. You find out that they were uh, Freemasons. You find out that the Freemasons are connected to tartarians and you realize that what if tartarians were actually just taller humanoids wait tartarians are connected to freemasons oh yeah i hadn't heard that one. Oh yeah interesting so what if they're just taller humanoids and they were just like the smarter version of us and as they became dumber we became smaller the tartarians are the vril yeah i wouldn't <sighs> doubt that i uh i've had a past guest on the show tell me who actually he himself was RH negative. His name's Brad Olson. He's written several books. He's explored all these sacred places. He talked about the Phoenicians being here all the way back, you know, when, and, and they were RH negative. And yep. there are these stories in Florida and Georgia when the Spanish were there, they came across these cannibal pale skin giants who were like eight feet tall. And you have to wonder, like, maybe they were, you know, eating each other because they had, you know, devolved somehow on this, you know, paradise continent that was uncivilized. They came from this civilized place all this time ago in the past. I mean, it really just, you know, feels like a Star Trek uh episode you know where like they show up to a planet and there's like you know natives there but then they have this lost technology you know that's kind of where my mind goes is that there is this group of of people that came uh and found all this advanced stuff after the uh ancient floods that we see in the bible and recorded in all these different cultures you know that's the theory that really gets me going so if there's all this stuff over here in, in, you know, the West or the East, right. in Europe and Asia, why wouldn't there be buildings and such in North America? I think it's, it's definitely fascinating. And then all the giant bones that were said to be found and all of the mounds and whatnot. It's, it's a big, you know, big stack of, of things all in one ball. And we got to, you know, uncrumple the ball to figure it out. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of mounds down the Mississippi River. Arizona. Arizona. I've heard about stories all the way back out to Arizona where they talk about Indians that were living in cliffs that were at least 20 feet off the ground. Mm. Why would you live in a cliff that was 20 feet off the ground? And Predator. why are there Templar emblems? Because there are Templar emblems that have also been found in Arizona with these Indian dwellings <laughs> that are well before the time of the Templars. You got butterfingers today. And I was like, <laughs> how is that possible? How, how, how is all of that possible? And no one can provide me an answer. I'm still to this day searching for an answer for that one. Cause they've been lying to us our entire lives. Well, I know that everything that they, that you learn in the history books is it's, it's written, written by the winner, such a small percentage of what's true. They put just the tiniest little bit of truth in it to make you believe it. But you know, you, you, you swallow that hook, line and sinker. Um, and then you grow up and you come to realize that 99% of it is a lie. 
And uh, yeah, history is written by the winner. Absolutely. So except for the history of World War II. That's, hey, my, that's, that's, my other, that's my other favorite theory because I personally think that the Nazis won World War II. Right. So, well, have you guys looked into, I mean, have you looked into the aeroship mysteries in the 1800s and how there is all these German, um, German groups in the United States way before even World War One, who were kind of establishing this uh, possible like uh, breakaway the, civilization? Yeah. Is that the Heinrich or the Himmlich or uh, what the fuck is his name? I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I, I thought it was Heinrich. Heimlich. No. Heinrich Himmler? No, there's a there's there's a Heinrich or a Sir Heinrich. He was a the Hindenburg. He, well, he was he was a member of that same family that built all of the airships back then, but they called themselves the Heinrichs in the the states in like one of the big like the first. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but so, the, the first uh, uh, not BMW but uh, Mercedes plant in the U.S. was actually built on this guy's land. And I could have sworn it was like Heinrich or something like that. Well, that's that's really interesting that you talk about Germans and here in in the 1800s because my other favorite theory, and this comes from, uh, well, it comes comes from one book, and then it led me to a, another book. This is you were talking about synchronicity. So how I fell down the hole, as it were, um, I found this picture, and I don't I don't know Hold that on. you can, I can see it. I think I can pull it up. But give me a minute. I'll right. See it. Right. So that's Maria Orsic, right? You familiar with Maria Orsic? No. So, but if you look at that picture, she looks remarkably like me. Mm. And I found this picture online and I was like, why is there a picture of me without my name from 1920 on the internet <laughs> in, in, in the middle, like this huge conspiracy theory. And I was like, what the hell is this? So I started digging into it. So Maria Orsic was one of the founders of the Vril Society in 1930s Germany, she was the personal medium to Hitler. Okay. So I started digging into this and uh, it became very personal for me. I actually ended up connecting with someone who knew Maria Orsic in Germany in the 30s. He's very old now. Uh, he was very young when he met her. Um, and the story was that she she fled from Hitler because she was done, basically. And she ran up into the mountains uh, in Bavaria and she built a spaceship and she flew away to Venus, right? That she was directly connected to people in on Venus and they um, like instant downloaded plans for a, a spaceship into her head and she built it and she flew away. Anyway, that that part of the story, I was like, yeah, no, that's that's not how that happened. Um, and somehow I knew that she'd had a baby even though it's not in anything that I'd read about her. And when I spoke to this guy who knew her, yes, she did have a baby. She gave her baby to a family in Bavaria to raise. Um, that baby essentially was adopted and she'd go occasionally visit it. No one ever knew where the baby went. Um, good job. Apparently, so that that baby was my grandmother. Yeah, right? Doesn't that blow you away? So that baby was my grandmother. And what? Yeah, what? <laughs> um, and uh, so, and my grandfather, I had always heard growing up that my grandfather had been warned right before the Anschluss that they were coming after his family because my grandfather's 
grandfather uh, was King Ludwig. So um, he- That's the picture right there. He built the uh, Illuminati castle, New Schwanstein, that the Disney castle is modeled off of. Okay, so that's my, but my great-great-grandmother and great-great-grandfather were not married. Basically, he had a string of mistresses around Bavaria. He built these little chalets for them all over the place. Little. And, and you know. Nine, like, 10,000 yeah, square whatever. foot, you know, chalet. Little, little chalet. It wasn't a big castle. It was a little chalet. So he would travel around the country just, you know, banging a mistress every couple of days and um, ended up having uh, some bastard children from that. And my great-grandfather was one of them. Anywho. Uh, so... Digging into it, turns out that Maria Orsic actually was the one that warned my grandfather to flee because they were coming after his family because we're royal bloodline and they were trying to get rid of all of the bastard bloodlines because we were we came about before the bloodlines had been corrupted by the Rothschilds. Okay, so a big push of World War II and all of the atrocities that happened in World War II with the Holocaust and all that is they were trying to basically eliminate any RH negative any 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 of the original royal bloodlines the bastard bloodlines that they hadn't that they weren't able to trace or hadn't really tracked um so all this craziness and uh so i i started digging into what the real society was because it really fascinated me so apparently it came from this book called the coming race that was dropped off as a manuscript at some tiny little publisher in england in 1892 and it tells the story of this guy who drops into a cave. Uh, he's like spelunking with his buddy and there's an earthquake and there a, a crack um, in the earth and he falls through to a society under the earth, a hollow earth society where these tall, blonde haired, blue eyed people um, can manipulate the source directly with their minds. They call the source the Vril. So they're able to, they can uh, commu communicate telepathically. They're telekinetic. They can blow shit up. They can learn instantly. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And at the end of the story, he tells them, someday you will outgrow this antediluvian space that you live in and you will reclaim the earth above. And uh, that was what Hitler was trying to do he was trying to bring the vril back according according to, to some story yeah that that whole story that i learned that, <laughs> I, that I dug to, into in this wow. book too they show a picture too and this just also happens to be that picture is yeah. there and if you look at it closely yes she does it's identify quite closely <laughs> Yeah, I, I, she looks, I always like to put it right over her I, face. I look so a that lot way like you her. Can like, <laughs> if you can imagine her talking to you right now, yeah, then that's probably the person yeah. you're talking to. So, um, but yeah, that's, you know, that's how synchronicity works. You fall down a conspiracy theory rabbit hole and all of a sudden it becomes highly personal because you, you manifest it. You mm -hmm. want to know something and, and the, really the every source, the energy, God, whatever it is leads you to find those answers that that you didn't even know that you were looking for it, most of our most of our stories and things that we've found and things we've looked up i come from family i mean be honest with you we looked up what rh bloodlines were we we're like that was this rh bloodline crap yeah because i had to get a special shot when i was pregnant so that my baby didn't die and i was like what the hell are you talking about and we went and looked it up and sure enough found out that we both have rh negative in our bloodlines yeah tracing back uh mine goes back celtic her goes hers goes back austrian and uh found out we're both basically of rh bloodline factors i'm just of the rh 
positive, uh, although I do have RH negative in my family. She is of the RH negative and she's got some RH positive in her family, but not much. Mm -hmm. I have way more RH positive in my family where she has way more RH. But then again, the Kelp bloodlines have been way more delineated, yeah, way true. more raped and so, pillaged than most others. But at the, at the end of my story, I actually was contacted by the Vril Society here in America because it is still active and going in America, which I don't really, no one knows. Um, so they contacted me and they asked me to join them and I declined because uh, I would have to tell all of my secrets and I am the keeper of secrets that aren't necessarily mine and I wasn't willing to share them. So I, I told them that I, I could not because I, I couldn't do that. So, um, but they actually turned me on to another book that I think you'd be really interested in called The Holographic Universe. Have you read the book, The Holographic Universe? No, but I'll add it to my list right now. Holographic yeah. Universe. It sounds familiar. I might've listened to an interview with the author, but, uh, but the, the guy with the, um, Airships was Charles Delshaw. I looked that up. I don't know if that's the hey. same name you were thinking of, but uh, but yeah, tell me more about holographic I universe. Have to go look that up. Um, it's it's really uh, when you boil it down, we're living in the matrix. Michael Talbot, you're you're yep. talking about? Yeah, yep. I've definitely heard of him before. Yeah. Oh yeah. So when when you break it all down, it's we're we're living in the matrix, and we can manifest our own reality um, if enough of us can decide what we want that reality to be. If you, hmm. you don't want to be a battery. And have a strong enough connection to the source that we can actually manipulate the reality and make it as we want it. Well, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of like the hundredth monkey effect or, or even this idea that it only takes a small percentage of the world to ch make a, a definitive change. And they've done experiments with monks, you know, chanting in certain places and, and they've seen drops in violence in you know a place like dc uh after there was a, a certain experiment conducted where you know these monks were channeling peaceful energy into that particular area so yeah i i think the the implications of something like the holographic universe are really just kind of sinking in and it'll be maybe 200 300 years from now where we really see the fruits of all that because i think we've really just forgotten it it's something that we already knew about in uh, ancient times we'll say and it's been forgotten and i think it's on the comeback it's going to take a little bit of uh getting the corruption uh aspect or the empire uh, you know the middleman between us and source out of the way um but i think ultimately it's it's inevitable given how consciousness inherently works that things will change the more people become aware of how a positive change actually you know feels and what it looks like because that's really the problem in my mind is it's just people are kept in the dark as to how they can actually make an effective change uh whether it's something as materialistic as like local government or or if it's something as metaphysical as like how to change your life you know so as simple as voting or as simple as believing in, in a higher power. Actually, I was kind of th going back, thinking of, Mick said something to me over the summer. Um, we were having one of our deep philosophical discussions. He said, uh, what if Jesus was just awake like we are? 
<laughs> I, right? well, I think that's that's a big part of what the theosophists believe is that like jesus was just another uh awoken master or ascended master that comes here and and you know you can just kind of think of that as what most people are becoming right now inherently you're ascended past what the average person you know knows it doesn't make you better than anybody it's just because we're at this point with technology where there's this sort of uh higher capacity of information availability you're gonna have the percentage of people waking up you know grow and grow just naturally because we're truth seeking individuals inherently that's how god created us to to really figure out his creation well, what she said was a partial truth. What I actually stated. <laughs> that wasn't the whole conversation. What I actually stated is what if Jesus was Q? What uh, if Jesus was Q and Q was sent here to wake all of us up? Right. And so what if, Q is another ascended master in my exactly, in paradigm. Okay. Exactly. So what if that were the case? Because think about it. If you really boil it down, what did Q do? He woke up millions of people. There are millions of people that would not believe what you believe right now. Well, and I'll tell you what, if you were, if you were an ascended master, I think you would operate the same way Q did in this modern age. You wouldn't need to do what Jesus did and go and make a big scene in the local square because where's the local square? It's right it's here. On it's yeah. on the internet. Right. Right. And Q did the same thing. Where's Q at now? Nobody knows. Right. Do you know where I don't know where Q is? And now all of a sudden Q's gone and Jesus basically did the same thing. Okay, I get it. Three days later, he did rise again from the dead back in the day to prove to everybody else, yeah, I'm still alive. Whatever theory you believe in, I don't care. I'm immaterial. Whether you believe it was Allah, whether you believe it was something else, whatever, even if you believe is you're a the Jew. Bible, the original conspiracy and, theory, and the you resurrection believe of Jesus, it's the, the original conspiracy theory. Even if you're a Jew and you believe that Jesus hasn't come back yet. Okay, fine. My point is this. There was a prophet. He came back. He was here on earth. He died. He was crucified. And he died again. And he was alive again. Point being is that it happened once. What's to say that Q is not the same thing? He was crucified. He's been crucified throughout everything that we can shake a stick at. Everybody has thrown everything at Q. Nothing stuck. Axios has gone after Q. Fucking HBO, HBO. has gone after Q. <laughs> Flix has gone after Q. There's so many things that have gone after Q. And yet people still believe in Q. So now my question is, is he a false god? Or is he the real deal because he still hasn't shown back up? He went away and he still hasn't come back. Just another ascended master. As you said, another ascended master. And I would have to argue maybe he is. And maybe that's what he was meant to do. And maybe that was his message to mankind. And maybe that was the thought that, hey, to save mankind, I have to wake you up. What's the best way I know how? Well, Christ, why not follow the Bible? The Bible was the original conspiracy theory. Well, if you follow the Bible and the original conspiracy theory, then really Q would be the angel Gabriel. There's, because he was the one that's supposed to bring knowledge to the world prior to the end of times. Then well, there's a possibility of that. Just saying. Throwing it out there. There's okay. options. You know, we got options. <laughs> okay. That's the fun 
thing about rabbit holes and conspiracy theories is you just keep going. And when you run out of space, you dig some more. You've got options. <laughs> I don't think you ever do run out of space. Yeah, there is so much to look into. <laughs> well, you're like way past your time. You've almost been on with us for two hours. Yes. I apologize about that. No, but I like it. This is time. fun. Yeah, I, I enjoy this. And uh, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. This is a pleasure talking to you and meeting you both. I know we had the, the brief conversations all those months back, but yeah, thank you so much for inviting me here. Yeah. Hey, this, this is, is this is kind of what we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we talk to so many politicians and doctors and lawyers, and I mean, that's fun. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, every once in a while, like we just. We want to have a, a straight we, we want to have a theory. fun, you know, just a fun episode where we're not talking about like facts, the weight of the world and how everyone's trying to kill us and this, that, and the other, and you know, the, the world is going to end. And it, yeah, it just, it gets so depressing every once in a while. We just want to have some fun. want to talk about some fun stuff. So yeah. So we appreciate Agreed. this. This is a blast. Agreed. Thank you. I think you need a little bit of both. I try to do that with my show as well. So if folks listening out there liked anything I had to say, most of it is stuff we've talked about on the show in, uh, you know, in depth with people who know a lot more than I do. But this was fun. So where where can is people that? Find you? Where is yes. that? Where can we find you? The My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. You can go to myfamilythinksomecrazy.com and follow us on Instagram. If you're on Telegram, we have a Telegram group and um, yeah, everything that you can do to support the show, listen to it. Obviously, I always recommend, you know, especially given that you guys are in Alt Media United, uh, I recommend everybody go to a third party app to listen to podcasts rather than Spotify, Apple or wherever else, you know. I put my stuff on YouTube. I put my stuff on Apple and Spotify, but I want people to find the show and then go to the, you know, sort of underground places to listen to the show. Don't listen to the show on the mainstream places because I don't, I don't check. You know, they could be shadow banning my episodes there. They've already done it with some episodes on YouTube where we talked about Q and other things. So I, I think, you know, the important thing, I say with Alt Media United uh, as a cooperative is like we need to teach our listeners better ways to engage with this content uh, besides YouTube, Apple, Spotify, the big, you know, players that are just going to end up banning us and censoring us in the long run anyway. So, yeah, I, I encourage people to check me out there. You don't have a Husky, do you? No, no. My my sister uh, does. Why? Oh, because we used to. Oh, have he a, just uh, he had he's he's on your Instagram, on your Instagram right now, right and he now. sees and, the husky. And I saw the husky, and uh, I used to have a husky. Yeah, we used and, to have. Yeah. A husky. I had yeah, a that's Siberian, my sister's dog, Siberian husky. He was a sled dog from up north, and man, I loved those dogs. Yeah, They're like one he was a good dog. So it's great. Yeah, All right. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, this was a great time, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on. And I, I really have to pee. So yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, thank you both so much. I appreciate it. This is a blast. And hey, go again, go to Alt Media United, check out all the podcasts on there because we're on there. Deplorable Janet's on there. There's so many others, uh, not to mention Tinfoil Hat, not to mention all the other bigger ones, uh, New York Patriots on there. There's a ton of us that have gone there and uh, we kind of center around that one. And I'm holding you to Cannabis and Combat. I am telling you right now, yeah, we'll if you send, have not we'll met Jeff, Justin, awesome. he is freaking outstanding. Uh, just talk about a great dude and a great podcast he puts on. 
and uh, just all around a great guy. Uh, just somebody you would get along with really well. Um, he's a former MMA fighter. Uh, that's why it's called cannabis and combat. He was never actually in the military, but he, he, he likes all- to smoke weed and fight people. So that's yeah. why he named the show cannabis and combat. So I love it. <laughs> He right. does I think I'll get along. He's a, he's a good yeah. dude. He yeah. really is. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So, and we so, dropped, we dropped a lot of other shows in here today yeah. too. So that was, that was fun. Like, uh, some, you gave me a stink eye on like higher side chats. I've had you listen no, to the higher no, side no, chats no. before. I said that, that one. higher side chats was a good one. Yes. I was like, Hey, yeah. See? He's promoting higher I've side you, chats. I've, I've, I make you listen to that. Yep. It's, it's well, really good. That, you know, Grime America, higher side chats, yes, tenfold hat. Those were big influences on me. I mean, they yes. are a part of alt media United as well now, but, uh, but yeah, they were big influences for sure. Uh, also our friends, uh, uh, dumb, big dumb. Yeah. The big dumb, big dumb podcast. Another group of guys, Kyle and them. Awesome. Yep. Great group of dudes. Uh, we love them too. We've been with them for a while. You know, Uh, Kyle just did a podcast. Uh, he did a swap cast with unspeakable truth. Are they on there? Unspeakable truth? No. Um, actually i think kyle recently put me in touch with them because i just emailed someone with a similar podcast name if not that very yeah, podcast name probably. i get a lot of emails so i'm but, sure yeah I, I just heard the swapcast kyle did with them that was that Con- was a good cannabis in combat sounds yeah. great i'd love to get in touch with him like you said you'll put me in touch with him yep. and anyone I'll else that you come across address. for sure yeah. Yeah, absolutely excellent those right. that we think deemed willing <laughs> yeah. they've got to cool. pass my test yeah cool all right all right. Well, thanks so much, Mark. This was great. We appreciate and, it. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Right on. All right. All right. Have fun. Have a great day. You too. Peace. Bye. So uh, that was Mark. Yeah. And uh, wow. Yeah, that was a blast. That was a blast. Yeah. That was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. We're like way, way over our time. Yeah. We went two. Oh, it's three hours. No, we went two hours. Two hours. That's Almost 154. Hours. Yeah. You're, you, you need new contacts again. I do. <laughs> You're old. I am an old man. <laughs> You'll have that. In those That's big okay. Cups. My That's contacts suck too. I can't read it either. Either way, it's all good. Uh, uh, that was that. See, and and here you thought you were like, right? I get whatever. No, yeah. no, I I didn't think that. <laughs> I always ask you. I'm like, who are we talking to? I know. And I always try to get the heads up beforehand. Yeah. But either way, that was actually Not a like lot we of fun. Share a calendar we or anything? Actually, no. Because I don't <laughs> look at it. Well, I look at it. That means I have to do something outside of working like two jobs to keep you in the lifestyle that you want. If you could not do something, can you not file the emails before I read them? No, I have to file the emails. <laughs> I have to. You don't have to look at the calendar, but you have to file the yes, emails. Because I can't have stuff in my inbox. I, I can't book my, more shows if you keep filing away the requests before I see them. My inbox has to be empty. I have a thing about a zero inbox. That means I've already gone through everything. I literally drive Mick crazy because I have 126,439 unread messages. I can't do that. I can't do that. (laughs) One red one means I got to go in there and look at it. What is that? Oh, no, no, no. It goes in a file. No. Okay. All right. Well, this is My OCD. Yes. No kidding. (laughs) Little OCD. I I think that's your Tourette's. Oh shit! My bad. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, no, no, that's not my Tourette's. Okay. My Tourette's would be saying "fuck you, fuck you, that's fuck your you." Polio. That's my polio. <laughs> okay. All right. Either way, folks. You uh, got, got Gillian Barr syndrome. Gillian Barr, as we've come to find out. <laughs> Either Whatever. way, uh, dog's been there for way too long. We gotta go. Yes. Either way, uh, like, share, subscribe, like, share, and subscribe. we will be back later on tonight. Uh, we've got more coming. I think. 
Got another podcast tonight, right? We are doing one, just us, a, a quicker one, an hour on Afghanistan. Okay. So either way, we'll yep. be back tonight. Uh, enjoy, folks, and have a good night. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I got to get out. Yeah. <laughs>